How's your uh, bowling game? Let's talk about uh, bowling for Ronnie coming up here on October the 25th at Pins in Studio City. Uh, when was the last time you bowled? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I missed last year's uh, bowl for Ronnie. Um, I was on the road, but the year before I bowled, and uh, it, it's kind of average. <laughs> <You know? laughs> kind of in the middle there. I can get the ball down the lane, that's about it, you know, and see what happens from there. But uh, no, it's coming up on the 25th again. It's really cool. It's a great event, I must say. It, it's kind of relaxed. It's a relaxed atmosphere and stuff, and you hang out and have a good laugh. And there's plenty of interesting celebrities there, so you can bring your fan on. And uh, it's great, you know, just hang out, drink some beers, do some bowling, and have a laugh. It's, it's all for a great event, too. You know, a great cause, rather, you know. Absolutely. Um, Ronnie's uh, Stand Up Michelle Cancer Fund, yeah. Any idea who's going to be on your team this year, or can you say? Well, I think on my team, I think it's going to be the band, our band, Dio Disciples. That could change, but we'll see. And I'm not sure, I haven't seen the celebrity list yet, who's going to be there. They haven't released that yet, and Wendy hasn't told me yet. So, But it's usually full of great people and stuff, and it's, uh, it, it, it's a great event. It's really good fun. And we should mention also open to the public. You can even stand there and watch or get involved and, and be a bowler or even get your own team going. So, of course, all that stuff yeah. available for yeah, fans. Yeah, that's all set up there. You can you can bowl. You can, just, you can just hang out and watch. You can put a team together, like you say. And uh, it, it's for a fantastic cause. And um, it, it's just a great evening out, you know. And for, for a great cause, you're doing something good. And then another killer event, Let There Be Rock, a bunch of ACDC tunes with the full orchestra and a full rock band going on uh, at the Belasco Theater in downtown L.A. on Saturday, January the 19th. And how cool is that for you to get, get to revisit some of your uh, ACDC tunes in playing days? It's great. I get over to Australia at least once a year. I've got a good friend over there, um, my friend James Morley. He played in a, a famous Australian band called The Angels, and he invites me over and stuff, and we, we usually celebrate Bon Scott's birthday. But yeah, this is a new thing for me, the orchestra. I'm really looking forward to it, I must admit, but uh, I'm also a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say worried, but it's the first time I've played with an orchestra, so that, that should be uh, quite an experience. It's incredible. James has put together some of the DC songs with the orchestra to, to show you what it's going to be like, and uh, it sounds amazing. You know, our first shows actually are in Australia on um, December 3rd in Melbourne, and that's the first uh, show that we'll do. So we'll get it up and running and get uh, get a real tight show happening, and it should be incredible. I mean, it sounds amazing. Those riffs with that orchestra, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of, some of the classic riffs of all time, and, and, you know, rock has always done that combination of, of you know, the symphony, of course, Metallica had a big success when they did it with the symphony and Metallica, so it's really cool to hear these ACDC tunes kind of reimagined, and with it going on during the NAM convention, I bet there's a lot more room for you to uh, kind of grab and pull out some people that may be in town for the NAM convention and bring them up on stage to have some fun, too. Uh, yeah, it is that time of year again, isn't it, the NAM show? Um, James has got a pretty impressive lineup there. It's um, Phoebe Clark and um, uh, a couple of other guys. And we have a great singer too, Cynthia Galley. And she is really amazing. She's got an amazing voice. It's going to be quite an event, hopefully. And it's in a beautiful theater too, the Belasco's. It's fantastic setting for something like this, you know, so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Also, it looks like Ripper's going to be there too with you and uh, Joel yes. McDonald yes. and James Morley, uh, you already mentioned. And then Paul Christie. So, yes. 
Yeah, all all well revered Australian musicians right there. <laughs> when I go over there and uh, we do the celebration for Bon Scott, it, it's such a fantastic time. Everybody comes out. It, it's a fantastic time. So they come up to and do that, and they're coming up with the orchestra. So it's going to make for a really super tight band. Can't wait. Looking forward to that. And wanted to talk a little bit about your time in ACDC and, and kind of, I guess, a basic question, but I'm sure you remember kind of it seems like one of those life-changing events where you kind of remember the who, what, when, and where and how it all came together and exactly where you were and how it happened. I wonder if you could kind of take us back to that time when you when you got that phone call. Yeah, yeah. I was in London. I really wasn't doing much, you know, and I was in a band. I was in a band in London, but we weren't doing much. And somebody saw an ad in a music paper that drummer wanted if you don't hit hard don't apply so (laughs) my friend told me well you hit hard don't you so why don't you apply so anyway long story short i applied i went for the audition the audition was with the drum tech and i played three songs and he said at the end he said great we'll let you know and i thought oh okay the audition was in a really high class kind of rehearsal place so i thought oh okay there might be something in this you know so i go home and the phone rings about two hours later and it's him and he says can you come down tomorrow and I said, no, I can't. I haven't got any money. <laughs> so he said, he said, don't worry about that. Just get yourself in a cab and we'll sort it out. So I thought, oh, that's good. They must have liked what I played. So, yeah, anyway, I, I go back down. And he meets me in the lobby place. And we're walking down the corridor. And the, there are all these flight cases with ACDC on them. And I stopped him and I said, you're kidding, right? <laughs> and he just gave me this smile and said, went, no. And I went, oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) So we carry on, the door opens, I go in and I meet them and stuff. It it was all very low-key. There was no, you know, fanfare as the door opened. It was, you know, they're they're there ready to work. So I go in and I introduce myself and they say hello and stuff and everything. They asked me what songs I know and I told them a couple and we went, got to playing and we finished up playing for a little while. We sat down and uh, they started talking between themselves and their manager about the upcoming tour and stuff. And I'm like, I leaned over to Mal, I think it was, and I said, does this mean I'm in the band? And he said, yeah, I guess it is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't wait to get out of there and tell my, my family what just happened, you know. <laughs> but uh, And then, yeah, my whole life changed after that. Yeah, I can imagine. And uh, you had mentioned it. I was definitely going to bring it up. It's funny you mentioned Mal and, and uh, unfortunately his passing, but wanted to hear if he, he, he kind of touched on one story. I'm curious if you had any other good Malcolm stories for us. Oh, there's just so many. I mean, the, the thing with Malcolm is that, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people will attest to it, is he, had a, he just had a really quiet, firm way about him. You know, he, he was... He was definitely in control of things, you know, um, and he could just he could change situations around, you know, with with a couple of couple of words, you know, <laughs> a couple of suggestions. <laughs> he was, um, yeah, quite a quite a leader. He's such a fantastic guitar player too. It's such a shame, it really is. It's such a horrible, debilitating disease what he got, and I can only imagine what his family went through, you know. Yeah, uh, Angus and stuff, you know, as well, and everybody's bloody awful. Well, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens. I don't know if you know anything or can say anything, but all the rumors about about them maybe putting together an album with some old Malcolm riffs is kind of a, a tribute to them and supposedly up in Canada right now recording it. But uh, it'll be great, especially if they're bringing back Brian Johnson, too. 
Yeah, I, I don't really know anything. I just see what everybody else sees, really. You know, either in, you know, on the internet and stuff. I, I, I don't know anything more than that, really. I haven't been involved with them for so long, you know. Yeah. I, I think it's a fantastic... Uh, I saw some pictures of them in Vancouver, and, it, you know, the four of them, which is absolutely brilliant. That's the way it should be. The world is righted again, you know. It's <laughs> like they're all back together. <laughs> you know, I, I, it, it, it's great. I wish them, obviously, every all the best in the world. One other thing I wanted to touch on real quick about the ACDC days with you, and one thing I've I've always loved, and I feel it's kind of gone away from Hollywood, but I miss that m- marriage of movies and music, and, and when we used to have killer soundtracks, and you obviously being a part of Who Made Who, which was kind of the soundtrack for Stephen King's Maximum Overdriving. Curious if you had any stories from that, or if there was any interaction, you know, between the movie and Stephen or anything, or if it was kind of just two separate things, and you just laid down the tracks and turn in the album or kind of curious about that well, time well he did he did turn up one time at the studio and came down and uh sat with us we went out for a for a meal and stuff and um he was chatting away he was mainly chatting with brian um and stuff by, like that but he seemed like a really you know a really cool guy and stuff and everything and uh i, I talked to him for a little bit and all uh, but uh, it, it was a little strange doing that whole thing, that whole movie, because, um, you know, it, it, it was kind of like a, doing a soundtrack to the movie and stuff. And um, it wasn't really planned or organized. It was like that there were there were some riffs and stuff, but there were TVs, too, in the studio. And we would play along to some of the like the chase scene with the car and the, you know, and the there's a long Noah chase scene. <laughs> but the whole thing seemed a little bizarre to me. Um, and, I, and I was hoping that we could have done another full-length original album without having to, you know, deal with a movie. And I'm not quite sure about the movie <laughs> when it came out. So just one of those I had nothing to do with it. It wasn't my fault. Right. <laughs> I'm I'm, you know, I'm kind of surprised they haven't remade that movie at this point. It feels like they're remaking everything. I figured they'd get to maximum overdrive at some point. Well, I hope they do all this better in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. <God>. Yeah. <laughs> He's a nice guy, you know. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, we mentioned it earlier, the Ronnie James Dio and, and your time in Dio. And I guess I would pose kind of the, the same question to you about Dio and kind of when and where you were when you got that phone call for that job. Well, it happened over a, a couple of weeks and stuff. There was talk. I was in the middle of, you know, um, finishing up with ACDC. I kind of come to the end of my time there. And I heard through a friend of a, it was a friend of a friend kind of thing, you know, um, and I'd met Ronnie a couple of times at different events and stuff and everything. Oh, we, we did a Monsters of Rock together. It was ACDC and Dio and I think Van Halen and oh, right. one of those, you know, one of those mm-hmm. festivals. I got to chat him with him then at, at that festival and stuff and found him such a smart guy, you know, and funny too. You know, I was in awe as well. I mean, this is Ronnie James Dio from, you know, the Black Sabbath that he did and, my God, the Rainbow uh, albums that he made. But yeah, it was just through a friend of a friend, really. And then we eventually, it wasn't working out with Vinny at that point, at that time. So yeah, I went down and we did a bit of rehearsing and stuff. It it was mainly playing uh, newer songs because they were in the process of recording the new album, which ended up being Lock Up the Wolves. Yeah, we just sat down, got chatting away there, had a few beers and started, you know, played some songs and threw some ideas around. And, uh, you know, I I really wanted to do it, you know, and, and it ended up with... Ronnie thought that was a great idea too. So, 
that's kind of how that worked out. Any good Ronnie stories? I know he had a great sense of humor. I was fortunate enough to get to meet him once. But uh, any any good funny stories about Ronnie from back in the day? That again, there's so many. There's so many. I, m- I remember there was a time um, I-, I lived at his house for a while. I went through a divorce, and uh, I was going to stop drumming and go back and live in England. And he said, "No, no, just just come stay at my house." And I got plenty of room. So I did that. Yeah, about 13, 14 years later, I was still there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we got along really great and stuff. I remember we used to do a lot of construction, and one time I'd, uh, um, I think Wendy had given him this big garden gnome. It's one of the concrete garden gnomes, you know, You're quite bigger than your normal <laughs> garden gnome, you know. It's about four feet tall, made of concrete, very heavy. So I picked it up from Wendy, I brought it back to the house, and um, I put it down in the back there, and I told Ronnie, I said, he was there, I said, I've got to go, I had to go see my daughter, I said, I'll come back and stuff and everything, and, uh, and we can fix where, you know, where we're going to put this big concrete garden gnome, right? <laughs> so I go away, I come back, and there's blood all over the kitchen, all over the floor and stuff, and he tried to move this gnome by himself, you know. He completely destroyed his thumb, you know. His thumbnail was hanging off. It had rolled down the hill on top of his arm. And so I called him on his cell, and he's like, uh, I'm I'm, uh, I'm down the street at the emergency. I said, wait there. So I fly down there, and I'm going, you know, I'm shouting at him, going, what the hell are you doing trying to move this thing? What's wrong with you? Why didn't you wait? You know, and I'm I'm, I'm really laying into him. You know, and it's probably the first time I ever did that. And uh, he's like, he's like, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. You know, <laughs> it was a really strange situation. But I was really worried because he may have really done himself some damage. Thankfully, they managed to get the uh, the hole of the thumbnail. I think he had a couple of stitches because the thumb split at the top. But uh, they managed to get his finger back to normal. But God, I was so fast, furious at him. I was like, what the? <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> you know that garden gnome had height and weight on you, Ronnie. You can't take on that garden gnome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that. I get a punch in the mouth for that one. <laughs> I miss him every single day. I can't. It's awful not having him around. But uh, yeah, that's that. You know. Yeah, it's such a tragic loss, and I always heard the story was with him. And I guess the the word for everyone to leave behind when thinking about him is. If you go to the doctor soon enough, maybe they can do something. Go get yourself checked out. Yeah, that's very true. That's that's very. Wendy's very uh, adamant about all, about everything to do with that kind of form of thinking. Yeah, it's a smart thing to do. I've been checked out. Thankfully, luckily, I'm okay. So, um, you know, I went and got it done. It's uh, it, it 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 didn't take too long, and it wasn't pain. You know, a little painful, but it's definitely worth it finally now. Yeah, absolutely. Simon, I appreciate all the time. Just one last band I wanted to kind of go back and talk about real quick before I let you go, just especially with kind of the news coming out and and talk about your time in UFO and with the news kind of coming out that Phil Mogg kind of retiring and putting the band to bed and just kind of wanted to get, the, I guess, kind of the same thing back to to your time in that band and how that gig came about and any stories from that time period. Yeah, that that was a fantastic time. It first started out, it was the Ma- Michael Schenker's manager. I can't remember if I got hold of her or she got hold of me, but we were chatting and talking away. And 
for, for a while there, it was going to be the Michael Schenker group, MSG. Um, and I didn't hear anything for probably three, four weeks. And then she called back and she said, yeah, we're, we're interested. Would you like to come down and do some rehearsals? And uh, oh, oh, by the way, it's it's UFO now, not Michael Schenker group. Oh, so wow. I, oh, great. That's cool. I'm in <laughs> for that. You know. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I we went over to Arizona met up with them all and pretty much instantly hit it off with them all they're from London and stuff they're English and we uh, kind of understood each other <laughs> so uh, it went from there and it, it was such a good time it's, they're so easy to get along with it's a lot of laughs a lot of crazy stuff going on too uh, a couple of disasters along the way I was with them for about three and a half years fantastic time a brilliant band you know He's a lovely guy, and Phil is an absolute gentleman. I love him, great guy. And and yeah, he's come and decided to quit now, I guess, or stop at this point. And uh, I, I just wish wish him all the best. He's had a great a great run, I guess, if you could call it that. He's put out some brilliant albums and stuff and all. And uh, I don't think he'd think it's a shame because it's it's a pretty fair, open decision that he's decided to to do here. He's just had enough of the road. I mean, he's still singing great. I saw them last year with Saxon, and he's yeah. still singing his, singing his ass off. You know, he was just great. You know, the band were, were really tight. I guess his time, he's just had enough. He wants to go and just do some gardening for a while or something. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we get one more Southern California area show out of him before he hangs it up. I know he hasn't really announced them yet, but uh, hopefully we get one more. Oh, oh I'm sure it'll come, they'll come through here. They, they always like it. Yeah coming through here and stuff so yeah i'll go see him any film mog stories you can share with us in rapping oh oh my god you got the time (laughs) (laughs) there was always as as it's well written and well documented there's there's always been some kind of rift going on between phil and michael and pete would always kind of be in the (laughs) you know in the middle of the whole thing we're in scandinavia in a dressing room and it's there's a two dressing rooms separated by curtain and Michael kind of has his own dressing room he, he dislikes it that way he travels by himself a lot too so Michael's in the other dressing room the whole band is in the other dressing room and the curtain flies open and there's Michael and um, you know he's, he's naked <laughs> and uh, Phil comes in there's some shower things and he comes out because Michael's shouting and upset about something and Phil comes out of the shower, and so they both stood there completely ball naked, <laughs> screaming at each other, you know? And at this point, too, Pete was very sick. He was very, had a very severe cold, and he was laying down on this, this sort of makeshift couch. He gets up, and he's like, oh, can you guys stop shouting? I'm not feeling very well, you know, and all this. And they are going off at each other, getting ready to swing, you know? I'm not sure what over it, you know, again, I don't know. But Pete's just trying to separate them and stuff and he can't he's feeling so bad and he walks back to the couch he sits on the couch and this whole couch collapses <laughs> and he, dis- he disappears inside this couch so he can see these little legs hanging out you know? <laughs> and me and Paul Raymond just stood there watching all this <laughs> you got these two naked guys screaming at each other and the bass players disappeared inside this couch <laughs> Did the couch break the tension between uh, Phil and Michael, or did everyone get a laugh out of that, or did that ramp things up? It did, it did kind of simmer things down a little bit. I mean, we were we were in tears laughing, you know. And, uh, <laughs> they, were, they were both looking, what the hell's going on over there, you know? So uh, it was quite a 
<laughs> quite an unrehearsed event. It was amazing. But uh, there was lots more went on like that. It was a pretty crazy, crazy team, UFO. <laughs> I bet. I yeah. bet. Have you ever thought about a book with so many bands and stories? Have you thought about that at all? I have, actually, yes. yes. And a lot of people have uh, asked the same thing. But uh, it's just a case of getting around to it, really, and collecting my thoughts. Well, I might do at one point, but not at the moment. Okay. <laughs> Well, speaking of the the moment, uh, you and you kind of touch on it. Dio Disciples, though, congratulations on the album deal, and we have an album coming. Anything you can talk about that? Um, we're still working on it. We're, we're, we're taking our time. We want it to be really good, obviously, because uh, we want to be make it good for uh, you know, obviously, the Dio fans and for Ronnie. We we want to make sure we're doing the right thing, and uh, so we're still working on that at the moment. And we're looking at maybe next year now that it may may come out and uh, see the light of day. But so far, some of the demos are sounding really good. So, and, and it's going to be all original music, right? It's not going to be like old old tunes. It's going to be brand new original music? Yes. Yes. We're not going to be redoing anything. It's going to be all originals, yeah. I think me and Craig and, you know, and Scott and Bjorn and Tim, you know, we, we've got enough in us. We've been messing around with things. We've got a lot of great ideas between all of us and stuff, and we feel that we need to, you know, make sure that there's some kind of original music out there. You know, it, it'll obviously have leanings and similarities to deal because of myself and Craig especially and Scott, but we're trying to put, make our own stamp on it and make it a Deal Disciples album. So we'll, we'll see. It'll come out hopefully sometime next year. I don't know if you can say or not, but just in kind of thinking about it, Dio was always kind of very mystical in his lyrics and kind of fantasy kind of driven. I wonder if you could, Dio Disciples has gotten that far. Is that going to kind of stay in that lane or is it going to be more, you know, stories, first person kind of stuff or more I, fantasy or? That's Ronnie's thing. I mean, I, I don't think it, we're trying to make it our own kind of thing. And between Tim's, uh, lyric writing and, and Oni Logan, you know, we're just going to leave it with them, really. You know, we can't, um, you can't go out and start trying to, you know, uh, what's the word? You, you can't copy any, you, you know, you can't copy things that far. A lot of bands that have the same kind of like mystical, you know, medieval kind of look about them and stuff, but nobody wrote, wrote lyrics like Ronnie. Yeah. You know, he always had, he always had that, that double entendre or, you know, where you could just make your own interpretation of his words. He was brilliant like that. You know, and we'll see what Oni and, uh, and Tim come up with, which I think will be pretty powerful. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Simon. It was a pleasure talking to you, and I uh, can't wait for the Dio Disciples album. Yeah, yeah, nice talking with you too, Mike. Thanks very much. I, I enjoyed it. Thanks, man. Have a great day. You too. Thanks again, Mike. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now just hit the subscribe button. That way you get it sent to you directly. And follow me on social media at MikeZ967. Don't miss the radio show, bro. Wired in the Empire happens every Saturday night at midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks online at KCALFM.com. Adios,